Episode number 20, Steve Otto, one of the founders of the Chicken Festival, bringing storytelling to new communities. Thank you, my dear brother. What a beautiful soul. All children love stories. Folk tales. They are messages from our ancestors. Then you have come to the right place. We will have a storyteller in every school. Storytelling can teach. You have that openness of a child. Good on you, Eric, for doing what you're doing. That's a great question. Thank you. I'm inspired just to be here. I'm really honored to be here. We tell stories. Know yourself. Follow your passion. And live with grace. Hey, welcome to the episode of The Art of Storytelling with Children. I am so excited that you have chosen to spend the next hour or so with us today and tonight or this evening or this morning, wherever you are in the world, listening to The Art of Storytelling with Children. On the call today, I have someone who I am very excited to bring to you. I saw him perform at the National Storytelling Conference, and I have to tell you that he is a master storyteller. (laughs) And when I say that, I say it as only one storyteller can say it to another. I watched him become, in front of my eyes, a eight-year-old boy. <laughs> and he became so convincingly an eight-year-old boy that I believed and saw the eight-year-old boy in my mind, and I was brought back to that time, back in World War II, in the show that he did for me. I was just so amazed. Um, before we get into this show, though, I want to remind any listener that there are previous shows um, on the website at ericwolf.org or storytellingwithchildren.com. And you can go directly to the website and press play on any, of those we- on any of those shows. Or if you are really excited about this show, if you're listening and you want to make a comment and join the conversation, you can go to the website, find the episode, which is listed under Bringing Storytelling to New Communities, um, and you can find it under Artistic Marketing or Presenter or Guest on the Podcast, um, in, in the uh, in the list of topics, and then you can go to this particular thing and you can write a comment, and what you write will automatically be sent to Steve Otto for him to reply to it if he wants to. Um, so you should know that if you're interested in this conversation and you're really excited what we're talking about and you want to share in this conversation, I think Steve would really appreciate any feedback that you can get. So let me tell you a little bit more about Steve, and we'll introduce him. Um, Steve Otto has a degree in speech and dramatics from the University of Missouri. So he is... He has a specialty in television production. Now, you have to understand that when he got his specialty in television production, it was back in the days when TV was black and white. He worked on Channel 8 in Columbia, Missouri. He also worked on Channel 21 in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and Channel 9 in St. Louis, Missouri. So he was in theater, as we say, in the storytelling movement. Um, He started as a cameraman. He worked his way up to production. He did very well for a long time until suddenly one year they decided to lay everybody off. And he ended up working for Blue Shield. I can imagine that, acting, working for an insurance agency. And under Blue Shield, he worked his way up again to the management structure. He did very well um, for many years until he was able to retire. And at that time, he decided to go back into storytelling. And one day, he was invited to this workshop. And I'll let him tell you that story of how he got involved in storytelling. Um, but enough said that he got into storytelling, and he started to do it fairly seriously. And he started to tell a lot of stories. He started to work with a lot of pe- people. Um, and he became... He would do his day job, but then he'd go out and do storytelling. And at a certain point, he was able to take his retirement check and to do storytelling full-time. And I've seen him tell, as I said, at the, at the National Conference, and he was very good. And he was so good that I forgot 
space and time, which to me is the qualification of a really good storyteller. When you're sitting there and you're not thinking about what time it is, and you're not thinking about how you know your butt's a little sore because sitting in the seat, but all you're thinking about is what happens next in the story, and I hope that character doesn't get disappointed. So to me, that's a that's the ultimate compliment. He um, is one of the founders of the Chicken Festival, and the Chicken Festival is famous as a festival in which there are no principal tellers. It's a festival where everybody's a storyteller. And I'll, again, let him tell you all about that. <laughs> so without any further, I want to introduce Steve. You there still? I'm right here waiting. That's great. So, In the uh, Steve, wings. What is one of your favorite stories, or what is the story you'd like to share with us tonight? Well, Eric, I would like to start off with something that is actually something every storyteller really needs to know, and that is the short, short story. It doesn't make any difference where you are. If you are being interviewed or if you're talking to a group, if you're a, you tell them you're a professional storyteller, first thing they said was, tell me a story. Now, you cannot, at that point, do my 22-minute uh, telltale heart for the group. And so I work on having 30-second stories that I can tell, and this is one of my favorites. He walked from the bathroom of the sleazy highway hotel. She was laying on the bed. She had his revolver in her hand. She spun the cylinder on the revolver. Hey, hey, be careful with that. It's loaded. Oh, really? Oh, really is this uh, for your wife? (laughs) No, no, that gun's registered. Too easy to trace. No, I'm going to get a hit man for her. Oh, really? How about hiring me? (laughs) Babe, you're cute, but who would ever hire you as a hit man? She spun the cylinder one more time and said, your wife. And that is a 30-second story. Now, I use those kind of things all the time, and I use a tremendous resource that is available to any storyteller, and that is a book called The World's Shortest Stories. Now, there is a contest every year for writing stories in 55, and they have published the winning uh, stories in this book that's edited by Steve Moss and called The World's Shortest Stories. And there's wonderful material in there for anyone to use. And uh, you can take the bare bones and have your very own story. That's one of the things that you've got to have. You've got to have the ability of going in and having that short, short story. Now, for all of you that who are on the call tonight, 
I would like to say right off the bat that your comments are certainly appreciated and are welcome. So if you get a chance, just jump right in, and if you've got comments or questions, let me know. If, but, you are in a no- if you're in a noisy environment, you can press star six to mute your line. And if you're currently desperately wanting, because you're muted, to get back on the line, the number is star seven. Good thought. Okay, now I think we want to start this off by, by saying, what are we? What what are storytellers? You know, after doing this business for about 20 years and 13 years full-time of telling stories for a living, I have found one very important thing. We are not really storytellers. We are story sharers. And what we need to do is to begin to get in and share not only our words and our stories, but also a piece of ourselves with our audience if we're going to be effective. We have to get in and give up part of ourselves because when when you tell a story, you really cannot tell a story from your head. You've got to tell it from the gut level and when when it comes from that level and you just have to share that with your audience, the first thing you'll see, particularly if you're working with little kids, is those eyes where, where you're watching that story come back to you. And to me, that is the most important thing that you have to learn as a storyteller is not just to tell it, but to actually share a piece of that story with your your audience. Now, I started out in theater. Like Eric said, I I did uh, television and I did community theater for about 30 years. And I got in and of course with doing theater, you have what is commonly called the fourth wall. You've got a wall, an imaginary wall between you and your audience, which you cannot pass through and you cannot communicate with your audience. What I found when I was getting into storytelling is that the the important thing and the fun thing about storytelling was that wall just completely disappeared. It It was gone. that relationship with my audience as our relationship with our communities disappears and we suddenly become one with our community and with our audience by sharing those stories. So what you're saying is is that storytelling is one of the keys to building community. Absolutely. And every time we do anything with the community, any time we talk with anybody else, we are actually telling a story. And if we're effective at communicating that story with our community and with each other, we begin to build the relationships that they're 
you cannot establish in any other way. Now, I got started, uh, I was doing community theater about 20 years ago, and I'm, I was, uh, in my job, I was uh, working to the place where I was out on the road about 60% of the time. My wife noticed that uh, since I was out on the road so much, I couldn't do community theater, and I was getting these funny little twitches that people get when they aren't able to perform. And I suddenly got to the place where I needed some type of relief. And she came home one day, and she was a first grade teacher at the time, and she came home with a brochure from University of Missouri, Kansas City, that said, Storytelling for Teachers. And she walked in, and she said, I think you really ought to take this seminar with me. And I looked at that, and it said, storytelling. And I told her, Virginia, I am an actor. I don't do things like go to the library on Saturday morning and read books to the kids. She had put up with me for over 25 years at that time, and she looked at me and she said, I think you should take that class. I, I, said, I think, I, think I ought to take that. Yeah. <laughs> when I when I tried to get, I hired a, a bunch of different graphic artists to do the the, um, the picture for the website for this podcast. And almost every single one, until I finally found one who didn't do it, but every single one, they had a, a picture either of a person sitting in a rocking chair reading a book, or uh, it was a wolf wearing glasses reading a book, or uh-huh. it was you know, there is this definite understanding in the public mind that a storyteller is a librarian sitting in a library reading a book. It, it is a real issue in terms of... It, it is a tremendous issue uh, to all of those of us that are out on the road full-time doing this and even those who are not out full-time. The the realization of that people have when you they finally hear a story for the first time and get that ability to... Uh, to draw their own pictures in their mind, it it is amazing to watch, but they they can't believe that it is really happening to them, and they have that uh, read to me uh, concept. But I I went to the workshop, and I didn't know what to expect from this seminar, and. They did the usual uh, intros and everything, and they said, we're very glad to have our featured teller here today. And out from the side, from the wings of the auditorium, came this little short lady that was just about as wide as she was tall, little black lady that I thought, oh, my gosh, what is this? What is she going to do? She walked out, and within two minutes, I was completely engrossed. I had completely seen all of the Jack characters that suddenly she was coming up with. I I was seeing the story. I thought, man, this is really something. I, I looked at my program again to see who was this marvelous person that was up on stage 
And the name at that time didn't mean a thing to me, but it was Jackie Torrance. There is absolutely no better person to get on a first shot into storytelling than Jackie Torrance. I, to show you how long ago that was, I bought her uh, 33 and a third radio, uh, disc uh, <laughs> after the show was over. So, you know, that, that gives you an idea of, of how You're long talking ago about that vinyl, was. right? Vinyl. Vinyl. Here. For vinyl. all those young people, it's a yes. record. It, it is called a record, yes. Not to be confused with a Frisbee or a disc, but an actual a recording <laughs> on vinyl. You know, but that uh, that was my first, and by the end of the seminar, my wife was sitting in the back of the room with a head in her hand, saying, "Who is that person?" And I was up front telling stories, and I suddenly realized I had found my calling. So I started out at that point and started taking every class that I could in the art of uh, storytelling. And I took classes and I told stories every single opportunity that I could. I was actually, you know, stories. I didn't get a nickel from it, but I thought this has got to be the best thing I ever did in my life. And that went on for about three years until all of a sudden... One day, I was uh, I received a phone call from a little festival in uh, suburban Kansas City, and they said we are going to have a uh, our fall festival, and we'd like for you to tell stories. And I looked at my calendar and I said, Yeah, that's be fine. I'm I'm free that weekend. I can do that. And so we set up for that program, and just before. The lady hung up. She said, oh, by the way, how much do you charge? I thought, charge? Charge? They they want to pay me to do this? <laughs> I can't believe they would want to pay me to do this. I, I, I thought pretty fast, and I said, well, my usual charge for this would be $25. And, uh, and she said, oh, well, that's really good. I thought, gosh, I should have asked for 50 But, hey, I went and I started telling stories, and I started getting paid to tell stories. And I told, and I told, and I told, and kept getting more and more pay jobs until finally, 13 years ago, uh, I was working for the federal government at the time, and they wanted to get rid of uh, staff, and I decided... I was ready to go. And so I took an early retirement from the feds, and I went out and started telling stories on my own, full time. And that was the beginning of a career of telling stories. I I do must admit, I do make a little bit more than $25 a show right now. But yeah, it that's how it started. And the one so thing let, I let let let's go on. Let's or wrap up this portion because we need to go on and start talking about the um, the community reaching out the community portion. Yes. Okay. 
what I we got in and we started hitting uh, a we we needed a local guild we thought and so we started River and Prairie Story Weavers for Western Missouri and Eastern Kansas as the storytelling guild for that area. We did fine, and we had a really good time, and we didn't know exactly what we wanted to do. So about two years after we started the guild, we decided we needed to have a retreat. And uh, so we went and went to Topeka, Kansas, which was about 80 miles away from Kansas City because we thought we would get everybody there for the whole time. And we got a hotel, and they gave us the rooms, and we ate together, and we uh, told stories. And it was such a neat experience of spending almost an entire weekend doing nothing but telling and listening to stories. And it was a great opportunity. And the next year, we decided we would do the same thing. And we went out and... About halfway through Saturday, one of our members got up and said, I've got a chicken story to tell. And he told his chicken story. It was like the dam had burst. Everyone had a chicken story. And everyone began telling chicken stories. And we told about two hours of nothing but chicken stories. On the wrap-up to the conference, to the uh, retreat that night, we decided the River and Prairie Story Weavers retreat doesn't have much pizzazz to it. And we did not believe there was any chicken festival anywhere in the world. And so we decided we would promote from then on the chicken festival. And that was the beginning. What we decided we would do is we would take this festival and move from small town to small town, and we would spend two years in each town. Hmm. And we would invite the uh, local people to come hear stories. These were all small towns that had no storytelling uh, venue at all. And we would invite them to join us in telling stories and getting things, uh, uh, learning what storytelling was really all about. And we have been doing this now for about 16 years. So you've and done in that time, we have started four major uh, groups that have started storytelling presence. We, they now have major storytelling groups. One of the things that we do is we our group is a 501c3 organization, which is on the for the tax-free gifts to the organization. And as a result, what we do with new groups, it's very difficult to get uh, 501c3 certification through the federal government through IRS. So. If we get a new group that starts, we let them become River and Prairie Story Weavers, north, south, east, or west, or whatever it might be, 
so that they can use our 501c3 designation in raising funds for their group. Three of the four groups are now completely independent and out on their own, and the other one is just about ready to go. So, you know, that what what we do with this is invite the community to participate in the act of storytelling, and it is a marvelous event to to get in. And as Eric said, we have no feature teller, no feature teller at all at this event. When we get in, we have coffee cans with uh, subject types of letter uh, of stories. We have uh, humorous stories, we have ghost stories, we have personal stories, we have fairy tales, we have all of these subject types. And if you come to the event and you want to tell stories, you drop your name in the the coffee can of that kind of story, and when your name is pulled out, you tell a story. Now, do you do those in different groups, like you do festivals, like you do fairy tales for two hours and scary stories, for, or do you do them on a cycle? How do you set that no, up? No, we we do them in groups where uh, we will, like the scary stories are always Friday night. The uh, uh, humorous stories are usually on Saturday. The uh, We always have a at least an hour or so of chicken stories that you get to tell also <laughs> because we have to continue that. And I might mention also that one of the things we always have to do is eat chicken at the chicken festival. <laughs> I don't know whether that's cannibalistic or not, but that's one of the things that we always have to do is traditionally have chicken. Now, so, now let's go Let's go back a little bit. Let's, you, you're starting it on Friday. You're doing it Saturday. Um so Scary Stories Friday night, let, let's say the last festival. Let's just go through the agenda of the last festival. So Friday was Scary Stories. Did Friday night was Scary Stories. We, we start at 5 o'clock on Friday evening. Uh, fr- uh, we eat supper, and then uh, we have one session of stories, uh, regular stories, and then at 9 o'clock we start the uh, Scary Stories. And that usually runs till 10:30 or 11. And at, then after that, as you well know from storytellers, uh, storytellers sit around and tell stories as long as they can tell stories. <laughs> and uh, m- many times at the Chicken Festival, I have not gotten to bed before three o'clock in the morning. Now, this Just, is actually an important point for someone who's organizing a festival like this is you need to plan on a space that has accessibility past a certain time. Because if you're getting a hall or you have access to a place, sometimes they'll say, you know, activity has to cease at 11 or 12. And That's you right. To, you just have to keep this in mind when you're picking your spot. But you want to find a spot that if it's, it's a warm environment, maybe there's, a, um, maybe there's an outdoor place they can retreat to that's, so the indoor space can be locked up or the indoor space can be accessible or you as the organizer, if you have to be there, you're able to be there until 3 o'clock when everybody leaves without feeling like you lay a guilt trip on them, you know? What we like to do, Eric, is, if possible, get a hotel that has uh, eating facilities in the hotel and the meeting rooms that we can use 
and so you've got everything right there, right handy, so that everybody can get to it real quick. And, and how they much don't does it really cost? Go. I mean, how much does a weekend, do you think, what are the costs involved for you, for the group? What we usually charge is someplace in the neighborhood of $45, and that includes the Friday night, uh, usually pizza Friday night, and Saturday at noon uh, meal, and then on uh, they we try and if we get a hotel, they usually have a breakfast there at the hotel uh, with one of the breakfast bars, and so uh, it is ex- that first so around forty five dollars is their hotel charges. And what are the what is the cost for the group to get a hotel to get the spaces in the hotel? How much does a hotel usually charge? Actually, we have been extremely lucky in that the hotel, if we can get uh, you know twenty rooms, the hotel gives us the room the meeting rooms free. Wow. Okay. Well, that's an important thing to know for someone organizing. And that is uh, one of the things. You have to do a little bargaining. You have to do a little storytelling. But it is an extremely cheap weekend. And uh, if you don't have to pay uh, feature tellers, uh, that cuts your costs again. Right. So, uh, So Saturday morning, what type of stories did you tell in the past? Okay, uh, Saturday morning we get in and we've done all different kinds of stories. This last year uh, we did personal stories on Saturday morning and that was extremely effective, doing personal stories. We had never done personal stories before and this was one that we did last time. Then about 10 o'clock on Saturday morning, everyone that came that played a musical instrument and we have um, uh, members of River and Prairie Story Weavers who play guitar, who play banjo, who play mouth harp, who play bass. They always bring their instruments, and we have two times or three sometimes during the uh, festival where all of the people who bring their instruments can get up and sing and play for about an hour each time. And we the adding the music to the storytelling has really been a plus. It has really been a nice break, uh, and and it's such a neat thing to watch people have so much fun. This is Ethnotech. I am Nancy Wong, and I am Robert Kikuchi Ngoho. And you are listening to The Art of Storytelling with Children. In the afternoon, we do the chicken stories. Plus, we usually have an auction. And this is something that we do to make money for the group. And this is another reason when you're starting to promote uh, this type of festival for your group, it's also a good money maker for your your guild. We have an auction, and every uh, most everyone that attends brings some item, usually they're storytelling items of some sort, 
and we have one auctioneer who gets up, and uh, we will make probably someplace in the neighborhood of four or five hundred dollars in the afternoon on that auction. And in addition to that, we get to tell uh, chicken stories during that period of time, also. So you know, it's it's a great way. And if if in fact there's anybody who wants more information on how we do this. I think one thing I want to do right now is, if you've got a pencil and paper, I want to give you my phone numbers. And well, we still got you know, see, we still got a few minutes, and I want to have a few more questions. We'll get to that. Okay. Let's let's put all that right. at the end, so it's all in one place. We'll put all the offers together at the end. Um, okay. So I think that when you're going into the community, and you're entering the community, how do you go about? I mean, are you basically just um, using the guild mailing list you already have, or you're putting out press releases locally, you're putting out posters or sending out flyers. Is it the normal approach in terms of getting people to come in from the community? Normally what we do is we go to the uh, local chamber of commerce. And we get the local chamber of commerce to sponsor us in the area. In fact, uh, we have gotten uh, several times, we have gotten grants from the, uh, the state arts grants that the chamber has written for us. And uh, again, it's a, uh, they, they love to see people uh, do things like this, and they've gotten grants for us to, uh, and we've made more money that way by getting grants to bring this uh, event into the communities. So there's money available out there to help there bring is. the community into the communities and to bring the storytelling into the communities. And there's, there's also, um, there definitely is spaces available at almost no cost if you can bring in enough people. That's and right. That's, that's amazing in itself. And, and really, for your guild, I mean, you started this out as a way of, just doing a retreat of having That's a right. place where you can tell stories. Just having a fun time to get get together, and we didn't even realize what we were doing, but it was uh, it really became a great opportunity. One of the things that we are doing, uh, we are starting this year is I don't know if uh, all have had with uh, celebration, but celebration used to be a pretty big event, but it has gotten to the place where it's uh, mainly just the people in the group watching. And so we are going to start something different this year. And in Kansas City, the art community, uh, the, uh, the professional artists of the area have a little area of Kansas City uh, that is an old, old area that they have uh, redone, and it has become art galleries of a whole three or four blocks of nothing but uh, art galleries. And this year, we are going to one of the art galleries. The They have what they call First Friday, where all of the, ga- the galleries are open on Friday night, and they bring probably oh, a couple thousand people into the first Friday events to see all the artwork. We are going to be telling stories at one of the art galleries this year. 
to promote celebration so that all of these new people who have never heard storytelling before will suddenly say, okay, I can go to this event and I can hear. So if you need promotion, again, uh, this is a neat way to do it, and it's a chance for you to get out and really promote your organization. Now, you had talked a great deal to me about giving back to the community as storytellers mm-hmm. and how how important that is. It It is so important. <laughs> I just cannot tell you how important the giving back really is. You, you have to get in. Uh, well, uh, another personal story. I was doing a program for a senior group uh, in here in Kansas City. And I was teaching these seniors how to tell their own stories. And one of the little men was seated at, seated at the back of the room. His wife had made him come to this because she wanted to come. And he was seated at the back of the room, and he was not about to participate. And that was fine. If I didn't make anybody participate if they didn't want to. But at break time, I picked up a Coke and took it back to John, and I sat down beside him and said, John, tell me a story. He said, I don't have any stories. I said, oh, come on, John, I know you have stories. He said, nope, I never lived in Olathe, Kansas all my life, and nothing exciting ever happens in Olathe. <laughs> and I said, John, I know you must have some. I said, w- were you ever in service? And y- you talk about the lights going off. All of a sudden, I could actually see wheels beginning to turn behind his eyes. And, and I, I, he all of a sudden was going, thinking and thinking about, oh, yeah. And he said, well, you know, Come to think of it, I did have a story. He said, I was on a heavy cruiser at Pearl Harbor the day the Japanese attacked. Oh, my. Oh, wow. And I thought, man, here, this man has gone through all this, didn't have a single thing to tell because nobody had ever asked him to tell his story so i started taking this story out from him and i i brought this story out and oh man he had way too much for a story so we set up about three different stories about his uh december 7th 1941 uh, time at pearl harbor and he happened to be one of these parents of uh, these uh volunteers who went into the school to help them grade papers and everything like that. And so I said, why don't you ask your teacher if you could tell the kids a story? And he said, oh, they wouldn't want to hear that. And I said, yes, they would. They need to hear that. And so the next session he came back, and this little guy, was he was three feet off the ground. I mean, he was flying so high. He walked in, he said, you wouldn't believe it. They listened to what I had to say. 
I said, of course they listened. It was a wonderful story. He said, no, you don't understand. They really listened to what I had to say. And that guy turned around, and he became the volunteer coordinator for the entire program and began getting all of these senior citizens into telling their own story because somebody finally asked him to tell his story. And, you know, that is what sharing is all about, and that is what going after it is about. And this is this puts on a really important thing for me, which is that in order to become really good storytellers, we have to become amazing listeners. Absolutely. You know, it's not enough to stand on the stage. You have to be willing to subvert the ego, humbly sit there, and the person is saying to you, even if it's one-on-one or if you're an audience of thousands, you know, a really good listener. I mean, what I'm telling, it helps me so much. When I'm looking out at the audience and I just see one person, who's really hearing me, mm-hmm. you know, it's like all of a sudden, it's like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know, something clicks. Um, I want to just make sure we open up the call, because I know we have a number of people on the line today, and I want to invite anyone who has a question or a comment for Steve. Um, he invited you earlier to just raise questions. If you're on mute, you can press star 7 to unmute your phone. And if you have a comment on the conversation or a question, I would invite you to... Uh, yes, I have a question. Hello. Why don't you say your name? Your name, Linda. Uh, my name Linda, is Linda. Linda Fong. And what's your uh, question? My question. Uh, can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh huh. My question is that you said you you go out two for two years to that place. So I didn't quite understand. You you say and then you move from town to town. You know how long is the festival and how often do we do it? Things like that. I didn't quite understand. Okay, we do the festival the third weekend of January every year. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it's that one shot, uh, but we do each, uh, at, in each town we'll do, uh, for instance, we're start, we've just finished a cycle uh, at a little town uh, south, uh, southeast of Kansas City, and uh, we've done two years in uh, this little town, and we're moving to another community this next January. And then we will be there again the next year. And that repetition and the ability of people to say, oh, I remember when they were here before, and it was such fun, and they will start telling everybody else to come join us. Uh, that, That is that's what we do is we go it's just one weekend a year in january and then we do that for uh january for two years in each location i see uh, i think what you're doing is fascinating because about two years ago i was in jamaica and i was um telling stories with with, with a jamaican storyteller and she took us from they call parishes instead of towns, mm-hmm. from parish to parish, and each parish they had a school there, and people will be telling stories on stage with the local storytellers and children. We were sharing the stage, and mm-hmm. it was a wonderful experience because you really go into the community and you share the stories and you are with the tellers, and I would say that the storytellers, the children storytellers were so attractive that 
the the the, the people there they they couldn't wait to listen to those stories and there was a time when we had four four hours of storytelling and the the people wouldn't leave after that it was just <laughs> just amazing and I, I think what you're doing is just wonderful well thank you I, and and you he just hit it on the nose exactly Linda because you see that is what gets the community involved is the the learning and listening experience that they have with story that they that most people have never had and our younger generations that have been brought up looking at a flashing screen in front of them they suddenly see those images in their own minds and it is a tremendous learning tool for them well, so, this yeah. Jamaican, yes, this Jamaican storyteller. Actually, her name is uh, um, Amina Amid Blackwood, and she's going to be at the Jonesboro Storytelling Festival this year. Mm-hmm. And their slogan, uh, their uh, slogan of uh, uh, for this festival called Nicholas Storytelling Festival is "We manufacture storytellers." Oh, great. And they will bring really training young people to tell stories, and I think that's that's a wonderful thing. And what you are doing is trying to make people become storytellers, like the one at Pearl Harbor. That that's just fascinating. It it was uh, that 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 really got me started on working with senior groups. I mean, that was the impetus to get my me going, and I even have. Uh, which is available to anybody who wants it. Uh, I have a handout, which I call Remember When, which are four pages of story starters. They're these little things like, uh, do, do you remember Sunday at Grandma's house? Do you remember what, uh, what did, how did you, your mother cook? Was it on a coal stove or was it an electric stove? What, what, what did you eat when you were? Those are the type of things that start getting stories started for seniors, and they get into this. The ah, yes, I remember that. And then, before you know it, they're telling their own, their own stories, and it's a wonderful experience. It feels like we are coming towards the end of our call, so we better go into the offers. Okay. Um, why don't you discuss? Um, some of the different you had talked about. We well, just talked about talk about that that um, that handout again and how people would get it from you. Okay, it's uh, all if if you want to get hold of me, my number is eight one six four five four seven two six two, or you can call me toll free at one eight 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 two nine I tell, and you can get hold of me there. My website is www.i-tell.net, and my and that, and, and that website is is on his posting on my site. So if you're going there anyway, you can just click through directly through into that website. Great. And do you want to tell us your email as well? My email is i-tell t-e-o-l at juno j u n o dot com. Now I'm not putting his email up just to protect him from spam filters, uh, from spam. But uh, but it's here. If you need to remember it, you can look back again. Now talk about this, you, this handout. Area code again. 
the area code of your phone number? 816. 816. Okay, thank you. Uh, so, uh, Steve, talk about this handout again. It's a four-page handout of story starters. That is right, for and particularly developed for, for seniors. Uh, and uh, it just really is a great way to get things going. But one of the things that you can do, one of the things I use this handout for is I will go into a school, particularly when I'm doing an artist in residence where I'll be uh, a couple weeks in a school, and I will use that handout to teach the kids how to collect stories. And then oh, I, that's so rich. That's great. And that what I do great. then is I go out and I get the teachers to get me several volunteers from the senior citizen group, and I will go out and I will teach them how to tell a story, the beginning, the storyline, and the ending. What if we put it? What if we put it up as a PDF, uh, as a part of your post? Would you be interested in doing that? Sure. Mm-hmm. I could, if you send it to me as a PDF, I could put it on your post, and people could just click it and download it on their computers directly. And That'd unless be great. you want to, okay, because I th- that'll interfere. People won't be emailing you as much, but it, make it more direct. Um, That'd be great. Now, you also talked. You had other offers. Your other. Well, I have three CDs that I uh, have out, and uh, one of them is children's stories. It's called The Wide Mouth Frog. One of them is Steve Otto Tells Scary Stuff, and this is for nine years and up in there. And uh, the other one is what I call potpourri because it has just a little bit of everything on it. It has... One of the stories from my growing up during World War II uh, program that Eric got to hear at the uh, national conference this year. Uh, it has tall tales. It's got a little bit of everything on it. That's why I decided to call it potpourri. I also have written a chapter for a wonderful book, and it is called The Healing Heart. There are two volumes to the Healing Heart. One is Healing Heart Families, and the other one is Healing Heart Communities. And my, uh, I have a chapter in the Healing Heart Communities book, and it, uh, this is a great book. It, it, storytellers from all over the world have participated in this, uh, this book, and it is put out by uh, the uh, Allison Cox was the editor of that and it is published by that's terrible well you know what we can do uh, again new, with this new, new society publishers if you if you send me the link to the Amazon page where it's sold I can okay. add that link also to your post okay place um So it's it's uh, you know those are the the things that I have uh, done that are available. They uh, you know the big thing uh, for any storyteller is to I think have fun telling stories. 
I think that is the most important thing that you can do and share a bit of yourself. And as long as you share and listen to others, you're, you're, you're going to be okay. And you just need to look inside yourself and find out why you're telling stories. There, there, you know, is, something, I, there is something that you're really sharing tonight that's so important to me, and that is you really have an egalitarian idea of storytelling. You know, this idea that we are all equal as storytellers, that our experience is equal, and that we all have equal value as listeners as well. And when you talked about the festival, you were really talking about how how we can act on that to build the communities and how we can that act on that exactly. to build the storytelling movement. And, you know, we don't have to have... I mean, we all, as storytellers, as people who are professionals, we deserve to be recognized. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that we have to um, be the center of every storytelling festival. That's you know, we can right. Have, you know, we can have the festival and we can, we can be the enablers. We can be the people who come into the community and say, I want to hear your story. And they go, oh, but I'm not, I'm not a professional like you. And we can say to them, well, yeah, but you have a good story. Let me hear it, you know. I and everybody that. has that story, and we the bringing it out is the most important thing that we can ever hope to do. We have to do a whole other show just on that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Oh, oh, that's so true. That's so true. I feel like there's a few more things, but I don't know. I feel like I feel like. It sounds well, we're so almost simple. running out of time. I know, but it sounds so simple to get this. You get a room, you get some people, um, they tell stories. And that's it. And that <laughs> is what makes it fun. <laughs> you know, it's not a tremendously big. We usually have about forty-five to fifty-five people, but we have had people come from uh, Virginia, coming all the way to. We've had people coming from Florida. We've had people coming from Tennessee, Oklahoma. Iowa, Kansas, uh, Nebraska, all just to participate in this festival. And it is such a wonderful and easy and cheap way to do it for your group and make your group um, uh, just feel like they are accomplishing something. And and what, um, is there a website for the festival? Uh, you can get it on storywraps.org. That's S-T-O-R-Y-R-A-P-S dot org. And that is our uh, our uh, guild store uh, website. And this, um, this January, this coming January, the first weekend, or the, what was the third weekend? weekend. The, the third, third weekend. weekend. The, mm-hmm. the third weekend and this coming January. Yeah, so that'll be the uh, 18th, 19th, and 20th of January. And we're going to a little town about 30, 40, about 40 miles uh, north of Kansas City uh, called Leavenworth, Kansas. In case you didn't, have uh, you ever heard of uh, Leavenworth Prison? It's it. That's where it is. <laughs> And so that's where we're going to go for the chicken festival this year. So I'm sure that we will get some prison stories along with it. (laughs) 
Well, Steve, I want to thank you so much for coming on tonight. It's been great. Um, and I'm really inspired. I have this dream of creating a storytelling festival in my own hometown, and I like your methodology here. It sounds really easy. <laughs> I think I can handle this. Um, so I'm, I think this might be the process that I'm going to use to try to convince my local guild to, to go with it. Uh, and I want to thank you for inspiring me, and thank you for coming. Well, on. if you if you or your guild has any questions about how we did it, just please contact me, and I'll be glad to help you any way that we can. And I should have said at the end of the call that Steve is famous in the storytelling movement for being someone who's always there for other storytellers. Steve, uh, I definitely will be calling you. Great, <laughs> glad to hear it, Linda. Being there. Thank you. Uh, and. Um, any final words you want to say to the storytelling movement, uh, the art of storytelling with children, the storytellers out there who tell the kids? Or, Well, you know, uh, I, I'm part of the Storytell uh, listserv. And there was an old storyteller on the Storytell listserv who always signed off his emails with this tagline. If you want to be a storyteller, tell stories. <laughs> if you want to be a better storyteller, tell more stories. <laughs> and that is the key. That's what I found is the key to the whole thing, is you've got to get out and tell stories and find your audience and find what you can do, and you you will succeed. Well, I think with that, we're going to head on out. Thank you so much, Steve, and thank you, Linda. And our other caller, I think it's Larry's on the phone. Thank you so much for coming on. And I want to remind our listeners out there in the world that you've been listening to The Art of Storytelling with Children and that you can hear more shows like this on through iTunes or through other podcasting-receiving devices, or you can just go to ericwolf.org or storytellingwithchildren.com. Thank you so much. It's been great. Um, look forward to seeing you around, Steve. All right. Bye. Thank you, Gary. This guest has written a post for the blog at www.storytellingwithchildren.com. You can make a comment or ask a question in the blog comment box about this discussion. If you wish to join a future discussion live on the call, go to www.storytellingwithchildren.com and sign up to the email alerts to receive future notices of shows. This show was conceived, hosted, and produced by me, Eric Wolf. And to support the show, you may learn more about my storytelling work by going to www.ericwolf.org. The music was created by Mary Kay Croft, and we are much indebted to her contribution. This podcast is the responsibility of Brother Wolf Storytelling and is distributed under a Creative Commons non-derivative license. That means you can copy it and give it away, but you can't edit it or sell it. Thank you so much for listening. As my granddad told a tale.